Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, FCC. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, watching me bring this, this table out over here is actually a pretty big deal. I always have Pastor Mike do it, because I'm afraid, because the last time I picked it up, it actually splits into two parts, and I grabbed the top and I split it in part and I just took the rest of the table with me. There's a, there's a video of it. We'll, we'll post it, I'm sure. But uh, so I always have Pastor Mike do that. So I was really nervous just bringing that table over here. Um, <clears throat> but whether you're with us in person or are watching with us online, we're so thankful uh, and appreciative that you chose to spend your Sunday with us. And uh, I am really excited to, to dive into this topic called Follow My Lead. Um, Last year, we were spending some time in prayer and just asking God, you know, what, what, a, what does God want to say to everybody, uh, to the congregation here? And uh, just through time in prayer, you know, we had almost our entire year planned, and we felt like God was wanting to throw this in as well. And so um, we, feel, we felt like this was uh, the last thing God uh, felt like he wanted to say, and uh, I'm really excited to be kicking it off. It's a three-part series, um, and it's all over... Uh, one verse primarily. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. So that's a one at the front, a one in the back, and two ones in the middle. 1 Corinthians 11, 1. Uh, it says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And that's uh, Paul talking in the New Testament. And so uh, we, uh, there's two big parts to this, ver- to this verse. And the first part is really in the back. Um, it says, as I follow the example of Christ. And uh, so next week, Pastor Mike's going to be talking a lot about um, how we can be uh, better followers of Christ. How can we grow deeper in our relationship with God? And then that first part of the verse, follow my example. Uh, Pastor Jeff Higginbottom is going to be speaking uh, about how we can use our influence to make an impact to the world around us. Because I believe God uh, calls us to do both ands, not one or the other. Uh, I believe we all have influence and, and God calls us to use it. And uh, my goal today is to show how those, are, those two are connected. Um, so the big point I want to make is that we are called to be followers of Jesus and leaders of people. Um, but primarily we want to focus on that first part. We are called to pursue Jesus. The first thing, the most important thing we can do is pursue a relationship with Jesus, grow deeper in a relationship with him. A couple scriptures I'm going to read. I'm going to be reading a lot of verses, so don't feel like you have to be opening your Bible following through because uh, there's a ton of them, and they'll come pretty rapidly. So you can feel free to just look at the screen today. Uh, but the first one is Isaiah chapter 26, verse 8. Uh, these are people who were followers of God. They say, Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and your renown are the desires of our hearts. So your name, talking about uh, us growing in a relationship with you, us knowing you, your name. And then your renown is basically just a fancy way of saying your fame. So what it's saying is, is our relationship with you, growing closer to you, and bringing your name out into the world are the desires of our hearts. Jesus talks about this in Mark chapter 8. He says, uh, he called a crowd of people along with the disciples. So he's talking to everybody. He's not talking to just the people who uh, need a relationship with Jesus. He's talking to the people who already have one as well. And he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow after me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. 
And I talked about this a month ago uh, in my offering talk, for whoever wants to save their life. I think a lot of times we as people really want to hold on to something, or maybe we have a door locked where we say, this is off limits for God. Don't, God doesn't really get to touch this area of my life. Or we say, you know what, God, you can, you can put your input in in this area, but I'm going to leave the door cracked so I can still have my way with it as well. Um, and I believe you know, when we choose uh, to have ourselves be in control, one, that causes us to be really stressed, really tired. Um, I, I feel like a lot of areas where I don't give God control, it's so hard to maintain and manage. Um, and God wants to take that from us. Uh, but a lot of times when we, when we do try to hold on to things, it really causes us to, to turn to other things. If we're not letting God be in control, something else is. Um, and I want to talk about a few of those. So the first one is we turn to stuff. Um, I think if you just look at since last March, we're a year in, year in through COVID stuff. Um, the alcohol industry, the pornography industry, uh, the divorce attorney industry has uh, boomed because uh, when we really when we struggle, when 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 rough times happen, we turn to stuff. Um, and those are three of the biggest ones that have happened this last year. Uh, but it's not just the stuff like that that we turn to that, that really can put a, 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 a hole in our life immediately, a big bomb in our life immediately. But there's other things we put our trust in, uh, other stuff we put our trust in that over time uh, really has the ability to take control of our lives as well. Um, one of those being our possessions. I think uh, the things we value the most uh, really have the most potential to destroy us in one of two different ways. I think for some people, um, it's jealousy, always wanting something more. Uh, man, my, my friends are going on a vacation with their family. Why can't my kids, why can't we afford to go on a vacation? We, we should be able to do that. Or we don't have this, we really want this. And just the pr- always wanting something more uh, has the potential to destroy you. But also the other end of that does as well. Looking at the things you have and, and being very proud of that, boasting in those things. Uh, there's a story in Scripture where... Jesus is uh, having a conversation with a guy who, uh, pretty Bill Gates-like guy, a really uh, noble, noble person, tries to do good by everybody, has a lot of money, um, and he goes to Jesus and he says, Hey, I uh, have done everything you've commanded. I've followed the Ten Commandments as best I could, and um, I want to know if I have a spot in heaven or not. And Jesus basically comes up to him and says, You know what? You are 100% right. You have done so well at following the commandments. Uh, but I just have one last thing is you need to give up all you have and turn and follow me. And it says that the man walked away sad. And so um, desiring more or being boastful in the things you have can really lead to destruction. A couple scriptures that talk about, talk about this. First John chapter 2, it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life does not come from the Father, but it comes from the world. The world and its desires will pass away, but whoever does the will of God will live forever. And then Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 6. He says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So the first thing we turn to is stuff. The second thing we turn to is other people. Jeremiah chapter 17 says, This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, the one who draws strength from mere flesh 
and whose heart turns away from the Lord. And there's plenty of ways we turn to other people as well. Um, very recently, there was a study done in China and Germany. And I feel like if the study were done in the United States, the results would be a lot higher. Uh, what the study was, was they, they uh, asked, they polled people who were in, uh, who were millennials, so 18 to like 35, 37 age range. Uh, and uh, they asked them a couple questions. And one of the biggest questions was, how often do you think about becoming famous? Or do you think you're going to become famous one day? And 45% of millennials believe that they are going to become famous one day, whether it's just a 15 minutes of fame, they become TikTok famous or something, or um, they become a celebrity. Um, and then they asked the same questions to screeners or Gen Z, the, the current youth. And uh, over 70% of those people believe that they will be famous one day. Um, that Even if it's just for a short amount of time, they believe they will become famous. And they interviewed the people who uh, answered the questions. And they said, you know, why do you think becoming famous or being known is so important? And uh, one of the girls who answered in the survey just said, you know, I just want to be noticed. I just want someone to know there's someone to care about, you know, what's going on in my life. Even if it's just what I'm eating, I just want someone to care. I'm just looking for hope. And, and we, we turn to other people, and we're, if, we, if we become desperate enough, it's, it's really easy to turn to the wrong things. Uh, we turn to Tinder for dating. We turn to fill in the blank online to find connection, to find hope, to find love, to find joy to find some sort of peace and inner peace inside. The Bible says that those things are not bad to pursue. But the Bible also says if we grow in a deep relationship with Jesus, literally the fruits that come from a relationship with Jesus are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, all those things. The Bible makes it clear that those things are not bad to search for. But where are we searching for love in? Where are we searching for joy in? How are we finding hope? If it's in people, you're always going to be let down. Because all of us in this room are sinners. And me included, I'm going to let you down. Everyone in this room will let you down. I'll reread that verse one last time. Uh, It says, Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Uh, we can turn to other people. The last one is the one I struggle with the most. We turn to ourselves. And the big problem with turning to yourself is you can't solve every problem. Uh, there's a lot of NCAA March Madness teams today. It's Selection Sunday. I'm a huge March Madness fan. Uh, there's several teams who won't be able to make it into the tournament because somebody tested positive for COVID. And, and a lot of times when I struggle with a situation, I always am asking myself, how can I fix this? But there are there. Are real problems that we just can't control. We have zero way to fix it. Uh, I believe, um, I'm just going to read a verse. It says, there is a way that appears right, but in the end it leads to death. And so we need to ask ourselves a couple questions. The first one is, when I struggle, when when I'm battling something, where do I turn to? What's the first thing I do? For me, I typically isolate myself. I typically get away and just get alone. And like I said, I struggle with myself being the pro- fixing the problem. I get away, isolate myself, pout for a little bit, and then I brush the dirt off my feet, and I say, how am I going to fix it? I don't turn to Jesus. Some of us turn to stuff. Some of us rely on other people. Some of us are so dependent on a relationship or so dependent on something else. 
instead of focusing on Jesus and, and pursuing a relationship with Jesus. I talked a little bit about uh, skydiving a few weeks ago, um, and I just want to re- say it again. Just those areas of our life that we have locked or those areas of our lives where we're just holding the door open a little bit so we can be the ones that have control. Like I said, it's so stressful and it puts so much pressure on you. And God doesn't have that. God doesn't want that for you. I remember when I went skydiving, I'm so afraid when I get on the plane, they open the door and I'm in, a, I'm in an airplane with the door open for the first time in my life and I'm scared to death. And then I get to the ledge and I'm terrified. And then my instructor jumps out and it's the most freeing moment of my life. And the same thing is true about this. If whatever you're cling to, it doesn't matter what it is. There's a, a couple. I'm a big I'm a big Southern Wells guy. I grew up in Southern Wells, and a lot of Southern Wells students are really connected to their truck, right? Um, I uh, spent some time doing some prayer and fasting with a few friends, and I asked one of the girls I was doing it with. I said, "What are you fasting?" And she said, "Starbucks." And I said, oh, giving up coffee for 21 days, that's great. And she said, I'm not giving up coffee. I'm just giving up Starbucks. I can't give up coffee. <laughs> but it doesn't matter what it is. If you're willing to give it to Jesus, he's going to do something, something about it. He's going, to ch- he's going to make an awesome change in your life. And so that, that first part, it's so important to, to trust Jesus first and put him first in our life above everything else. But I'm going to show you here in just a few, uh, for the next few minutes Our relationship with Jesus is also interwoven into our relationship with other people. And so this is what I would say. My relationship to God is inseparable to the relationships that God has put in my life. John chapter 13 says this. This is Jesus talking. A new command I give to you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will, know, everyone will know you are my disciples. So by this, everyone will know you are my disciples, that you go to church. That's not what the rest of the verse says. By this, you will know my, you are my disciples, that you have the Bible memorized. That's not what the rest of the verse says. This is what it says. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. Our relationship with Jesus is completely tied to our love for one another. Another verse, it says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So they're asking Jesus, what's the, what's the best, what's the most important commandment we have to follow? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So they only asked for one, but Jesus says you can't have one without having the other. You can't not be in love with Jesus and not have a radical love for other people and reaching other people and making an impact in their life. So if you were to ask yourself how if if you were to ask yourself how am I doing in my relationship with God, you would also have to ask yourself the question, how am I doing with the people that God has put in my life? And the rest of the, the message, I'm going to talk about one specific area. Like I said, Pastor Jeff is going to talk a little bit more in depth about this topic of leading other people. But I want to talk about one specific area of leading other people. And, and that is the people who we don't necessarily get along with. The people who have, have done wrong by us. The people who we're frustrated at when we hear, oh, I'm going to spend some time with this person today. The person who annoys us the most. So Jesus says we have to radically, unconditionally love Each one of them. I read that verse. He says, love one another as I have loved you. Jesus loves us unconditionally, and we're called to love everyone unconditionally, no matter who it is. And when I first 
hear that verse, I always think, man, that is not fair. Like, there's people who have seriously done wrong to other people. Like, it's not fair that you should have to radically, unconditionally love everyone. But I think it's really good that it's not fair. Because I'll I'll explain why. I'm going to read a long passage of Scripture. This is a story that Jesus told uh, to to, uh, his disciples and to some of the other people. It says in Matthew chapter 18, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother who sins against me? Seven times? And I real, real quick, I think this is like Peter um, trying to like be a show-off, like a holy, like act like he's holier than people. It's like Pastor Brandon, one of his kids, they're all sitting on the couch, and one of them's like, hey, I cleaned my room today. I don't know about these two, but I cleaned my room today. Uh, that's what Peter's doing here. How many times should we forgive them? Seven times? Like, people are like, oh, seven, that's a big number. Seven times in a day? And so Jesus answered, I'll tell you, not seven, but how about 77 times? We'll multiply that by 11. Therefore, the kingdom, so this is the story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. As he began to settle, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, or roughly $7 billion, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this time, the servant fell on his knees before him. Please be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled all of his debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, not that much. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servants fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me. The exact same thing he said to the master. Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went out and had the man man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all of the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should be able to pay back all he owed. This is how the heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. C.S. Lewis put it this way. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable. Because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable. Because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. See, the, the, the thing about forgiveness, the Bible, the Bible tells us to live at peace with one another. And as best as you can, we're called to live at peace with one another. Now that is a two-way street. It takes two to live at peace. God says that as best you can, Do that. But that's, like I said, that's a two-player game. Forgiveness is a one-player game. Now, if if the man had forgiven the man who owed him a a thousand silver coins, not that much, if that man had forgiven him, he would have given that man an opportunity to, to do wonderful things in his life. But because he chose not to forgive him, he set him back from the future he could have had. See, when we choose not to forgive to some forgive some someone or something. 
then we're not just hurting ourselves, we are hurting ourselves, but we're hindering other people from having a deeper relationship with Jesus as well. So I want to just share three things we can do for other people and for ourselves when it comes to forgiveness. Number one, pray for them. Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. See, I, I have a friend who, um, he, does mar- he does marital counseling. And uh, a lot of times, um, he's one of those people who can really diagnose a problem with, within the first minute or, or two minutes of uh, somebody telling you what's wrong. But in counseling, you don't just have a two-minute session. You have a one-hour session, so they'll normally talk the whole time. And uh, he isn't normally that patient. Um, and so a lot of times what he does, he says he, he's figured out a way to kind of bring the, bring the issue to the forefront right away. And so what he does is he'll have the wife come in first and the, hus- the husband will come in separately and they'll do the same thing. But the wife will come in and he just says, all right, you're going to tell me everything your husband did this last week. Just you're going you're gonna to lay it out. But before you do that, I want you to pray for him. And she normally says, pray for him. I want to rip his head off, you know, like, oh, my goodness. And then she prays for him, and the attitude changes. And the same thing happens in the book of Psalms, right? In the book of Psalms, it's King David, basically his journal. And in the Psalms, he, he writes, people are coming to kill me right now. Thanks a lot, God. And then if you look at the bottom of that same chapter, he says, you know what? Actually, you're good. You're good. I love you so much. Even, even in the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me, right? Like, it, it turns from really dark to really beautiful. And that's because when you pray, it's not just for the other person. God's going to do something in that other person's life, but it also is for you as well. Forgiveness is something we need freed from, not the other person. The second thing we can do is we can bless them. Luke chapter 6, this is Jesus talking. But I tell you who hear me, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Romans chapter 12 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And this one's not on the screen, but Proverbs chapter 25, it says, If your enemy needs food, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, Give them something to drink. Anoint their head with burning coals. And you read the last part and you're like, all right, let them burn. Heck yeah, there we go. Teach them a lesson, God. But that's not what the verse means. We, we don't really have a, a, a good translation for that because we don't have that need anymore. What it means is, uh, so we have like stoves and ovens now. But back then they obviously didn't. And so what would happen is a man would go and hunt game for uh, the meal for the night. And then he would come back and hopefully the fire would still be burning. But if it weren't, there would be no way to eat the food. And so he's saying, you have burning coals. Go offer it. To Go offer it. Go offer the things that are needed to your enemy. Go love your enemy. Bless them. Don't be a curse. The last thing. It's from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, and this is probably the most important. It says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, 
forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. See, I read that last part, that bless them part. It's like when your enemy is hungry, give them food. When your enemy is thirsty, give them something to drink. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who curse you. Like I hear that and I'm like, no freaking way. Are you kidding me? There's no way. Like That just grinds my teeth. It's really hard to do that. It's really hard to forgive other people unless it's been done to you. And uh, I want to just share, I wish I had a picture of it on the screen. This is something I, somebody told me in college and it's stuck with me since. Just imagine like a less than sign or a greater than sign. I don't know which way I'm facing. Um, so in a, in, a, in a less than sign, it starts off really narrow, obviously, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think a lot of, a lot of people will say, yeah, I, I've prayed and I've asked God to forgive me. And like, that's like the beginning of this, of this diagram. Like this, imagine drawing a little cross at the very beginning and saying, yep, I'm a sinner. Thank you so much, God. You are good. Like your sin, God's goodness. Like, okay, I, I'm a sinner. God's good. But then when we actually realize what God did for us on the cross, like what Mike was just talking about when he was talking, giving the communion message, when we actually understand that we've sinned against an infinite God and an infinite God deserves a penalty against an infinite God deserves an infinite punishment. When we understand what Jesus actually did for us on the cross, it's like the end of a greater than sign. Like our cross is so big because we are such big sinners and God is so, so good. The Bible actually, in Jesus is, uh, when Jesus talks about forgiving sins, it's actually like a legal thing. Uh, it's like a legal court procedure. And so when we die and on Judgment Day, we're going to go into a courtroom. And, and our record is going to say guilty. And it doesn't say like, oh, you broke one of the Ten Commandments, two of the Ten Commandments, whatever. You have this punishment. Like, you are innocent or you are guilty. There's no middle ground. If you're guilty, we have eternal separation from Christ. If you're not guilty, you get to be with Christ forever. But we're all, the Bible says we're all sinners. Jesus came. God gave up his only son. I, I mean, I can say that, but I can't fathom how tough that is. God gave up his only son to be slaughtered because he loves you so much. And he just wanted to give you the opportunity to receive forgiveness. The opportunity to experience his grace. We sang that song, uh, Death Was Arrested. And it's so true. His grace is so freeing. There's nothing like experiencing the grace of God. I promise you, if it's hard to forgive, it's probably because we don't really fully grasp how much we've been forgiven. Because when somebody does something to me or, or does something to you, it's not as big of a deal as what we've done to God. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask everyone, real quick, please just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to ask you, by just a show of hands, if you need forgiveness today, please just lift your hand up. I'm lifting my hand up. I need forgiveness today. I need to experience God's grace. You can put your hand down. That's great. I'm going to pray, and I'm just going to ask God to do a work in our hearts. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. 
God, that you radically love us so much that you sent your son down to die for us. God, that, that Jesus wanted us to just have the opportunity to say yes to you. And he sent his, and he was willing to sacrifice his life. And on that cross, the, you say that he saw joy. Not that, he, not that he just felt the pain. He obviously felt the pain. But the reason he felt joy was because he saw us. He saw each one of us when he was on the cross. And God, I just pray that you'll do a work in our hearts, God, that if there's someone that needs, that we need to forgive someone today, God, I just pray that we can just, in a snap, just say, you know what, this is no big deal. In fact, I want to I wanna bless you today. And by the way, do you know Jesus? I want to just tell you about this guy who's changed my life. I pray that that's the peace that you'll put in us, God, that we're not clinging to ourselves. We're not trusting in stuff. We're not clinging to a relationship or other people. But God, we're just focused on you and that you're going to do something radical in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.